Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first property casualty insurance podcast designed to bring you perspective and insight on the top issues facing industry professionals. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone, and happy Halloween to all. I'm your host, Kathy Imus. Today, we're uncovering a few scary topics. The 2018 midterm elections, how campaign strategies are different this year to encourage you to get out and vote. And does legal marijuana lead to more car crashes? We'll break down trends from the new IIHS report. Plus, enact, enforce, and educate. The advocates for highway and auto safety discuss what it takes to have less distraction on the roads. But first, the headlines. There's less than a week left to vote in this year's midterm election. And no doubt you've noticed some new campaign strategies from the candidates. We recently spoke with Jimmy Grandy, NAMIC Senior Vice President of Government Affairs, about what is making this year's election different. The money and the message still matter a lot in elections, but modern politics has become all about turnout. We were... We were all taught in school the way that elections work is one-third are Republican, one-third are Democrats, and one-third are in the middle, and the whole campaign is about convincing the people in the middle to vote for my guy or your guy. And this changed dramatically with uh, sort of advanced data metrics, particularly starting in 2008. Uh, President Obama's team sort of revolutionized how you use data for elections, just like our industry uses data for understanding our customers. And basically what they learned was it's a lot harder to convince somebody who might think a different way to think the way you want them than it is to find the people you know who already think like you and just talk them into voting. And so elections became less about talking to the middle and convincing them, which had a moderating influence on our elections. And now it's all about how do I get the most uh, passionate believer that agrees with me, or we might call sort of the angry poles of the two sides, to show up and vote. And so all election communications now are geared toward talking to people who already agree with you and making them vote. And that's created sort of an ugly uh, situation in in the country and in our political system. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Don't miss our post-election podcast on November 14th, where Jimmy will be the featured guest on Chuck's unscripted interview. They'll discuss the results of the midterms and what this election will mean for the property casualty insurance industry in the months ahead. On the international insurance front, with the Brexit deadline just five months away, a new covered agreement with the United Kingdom is in the works. This would be the second time the Federal Insurance Office and the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative have negotiated a covered agreement since the first one was concluded in 2017. After the U.K. leaves the European Union in March of next year, the country will no longer be a party to the current covered agreement. The U.K. has expressed concern that this could have implications for existing insurance contracts. NAMIC is currently scheduled to meet with federal officials responsible for this negotiation to share the association's views. To learn more about the agreement, check out NAMIC's latest special report at NAMIC.org. A new study by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety found car crashes are up by as much as 6% in states with legal marijuana sales. As a result, drivers in those states can expect to see their auto insurance rates go up. 
The IIHS report notes that driving under the influence of marijuana is illegal in all 50 states and D.C., but determining impairment is challenging. Unlike alcohol, the amount of marijuana present in a person's body doesn't consistently relate to impairment. J.T. Griffin, Chief Government Affairs Officer for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, told attendees at an IIHS event earlier this month that doesn't mean we can forget about alcohol. When you see things that come out that say drug-impaired driving has overtaken alcohol, you know, that, that can be really dangerous um, because people start to think, well, alcohol is not a problem anymore. In the coming weeks, NAMIC will release a new white paper addressing how cannabis intersects with the property casualty insurance industry. It goes into detail about the impact of marijuana legalization on homeowners, commercial property, auto and workers' comp insurance, as well as whether a federal solution may be viable. The Advocates for Highway and Auto Safety is calling out the U.S. Department of Transportation for what it says are weak voluntary guidelines allowing manufacturers of autonomous vehicles to use our nation's roads and highways as proving grounds for unproven technology. During NAMIC's Future of Auto Summit, our Chuck Chamness spoke with two members from the Advocates about AVs and why it's important to get this technology right prior to its deployment. All right, well, welcome to uh, this special segment, uh, Insurance Unscripted. And we are truly unscripted today as we are at NAMIC's Future of Auto Summit. We're in beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. We will tomorrow be going to M-City, the research facility, uh, to look at uh, uh, automated vehicle testing. And today I'm joined by two associates with the Advocates for Highway and Auto Safety, Peter Kurdock, General Counsel, and Sean Kildare, the Director of Research with Advocates. Why don't you guys uh, start out first. Thank you for joining me today. Well, good to be with you. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, would one of you just give us a little overview of what Advocates is? Sure, absolutely. So we are a coalition of the largest property and casualty insurers in the country uh, and insurance agents, associations like NAMIC, uh, as well as the leading cons- uh, leading consumer and public health organizations. And they really, uh, these two groups have come together really to focus, really have laser focus on safety, try to reduce the number of crashes uh, that are occurring all too frequently on our roads. So we like to say that we focus on safer drivers uh, and safer roads and safer vehicles. Yeah. I was on the the board of advocates a few years ago, and it's really a fascinating board to be on because it really is the only place I know of in this industry where you get that cross-section between, you know, property casualty insurance, business people, uh, executive leadership, general counsels, uh, and then the, uh, you know, consumer advocates, Consumer Federation of America and others that are there with an entirely different mission, but one that intersects completely with this, uh, you know, mission around advocacy and uh, auto safety. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right, Ed. uh, Which helps make it, you know, very effective. And and certainly in this area that we talked about today, both of you presented here at the Future of Auto Summit. Thank you for doing that. Um, Maybe we'll start with you, Sean. Um, You talked about testing and uh, gave kind of a gloomy view as we look at uh, some of the issues out there with... uh, you know, automated vehicles, where we are uh, today. But maybe you could summarize for our uh, podcast audience. Well, it, 
it sounds like doom and gloom, but I think we we very much promote technology. Well, um, and actually, doom and gloom is one way to say reality and safety. <laughs> yes, I think <laughs> that's, that's right. I think that's, that's right. a better I, way to I'm say it. I'm all for doom and gloom. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we you know we are big proponents of technology. We're big proponents of things like uh, uh, autonomous emergency braking, lane departure warning, lane keeping assist, proven technologies that are that are helping us save lives now. And we believe those need to be in all vehicles, and we need to have testing to make sure they're going to give us a level of safety so that everyone gets that protection. We see the same need for autonomous vehicles. The problem is we're not there yet. Almost everybody, when you go and and hear these presentations, say it's 10 years down, 20 years down, 30 years down the line, and they're not prepared to be out in the wild. We need to take a stronger look at our regulation and the regulatory process to see how are we going to adapt to changing from what we currently do, which at its most basic form is taking a car and throwing it at a wall at one speed, and trying to adapt it to regulate the behavior of drivers, which is very, uh, um, very changeable. What environment are they in? What the weather is like? What the roadway is like? What the lighting is like? That is not what we're used to doing. And so how do we change that? How do we adapt to make sure the way that we ensure a level of safety for crash testing, we're going to start ensuring that level of performance for safety for autonomous vehicles. So it's not that we don't think it's ever going to get there. We just think we need to take our time and get it right before we start having more fatalities and, and injuries and crashes occurring from AVs, which are going to turn everyone off from it. The only way we're going to save lives is if people adapt these, and if they don't like them, they're not going to adapt them. Yeah, it's interesting. We had a release of a survey today uh, done by NAMIC and J.D. Power, which talked about consumer attitudes around automated vehicles. And uh, I think your message, which came through in most of the presentations today, was a very relevant one, which is, we're not Luddites. We're not trying to stop the technology. We see the benefits of it. We want people to be able to adapt to it, but they're not going to do that unless they're safe and proven and rolled out in a um, practical and pragmatic and safe way, um, which is, we would argue, uh, not necessarily be being done in all areas today. Peter, you talked a little bit about uh, law and regulation, fitting as a general counsel, uh, but um, distracted driving and then also around the, the automated vehicle space. Uh, what kind of message did you bring to our uh, to our audience at the uh, summit? Well, I'd say first, uh, to, to the point you just made, advocates also commissioned two public opinion polls in January and July of this year, and it's found very, uh, very similar results as that you all had. So I think there is now a consensus that there is a lot of public skepticism out about uh, about these things. When it comes to distracted driving space, uh, I think there is a couple of takeaways that we are seeing right now. First, the amount of crashes uh, involving distraction are vastly underreported. We have to do a much, much better job at trying to gather much more data as, so we can get a much more relevant picture, a more accurate picture of really uh, really what's going on out there on our roads today because we know uh, distraction really has now uh, is becoming part of this unholy trinity of, of causes of crashes, of speed, impairment, and now we see distraction becoming the third one. One of the ways, and one of the, the things I talked in the presentation today is there are a lot of kind of a lot of tools or solutions at hand right now uh, that can help combat distraction. One of them is being getting some effective laws on the books that gets people, you know, from stopping to you, you know, from texting while they're driving and things like that. And younger drivers, those drivers that are just starting to get their license, preventing them from using the phone, things like that. I know one of the things that we heard from uh, IHS today, uh, you know, our great partner uh, in research, 
Uh, but I know one of the things they've researched is, you know, the effectiveness of the laws against distracted driving and the enforcement. Um, you know, it's still a bit cloudy in terms of what is effective. Uh, some messages that came out today that we know are effective are, you know, just the work to change the public uh, consci- consciousness, um, you know, some kind of uh, process that results in uh, the kind of impact we've seen around, you know, impaired driving, drunk driving, uh, you know, from Mothers Against Drunk Driving, SAD, and that movement that was from the 70s, 80s, and then now continues uh, today. Um, have you all looked at applying that type of a, um, um, you know, public awareness campaign uh, to this problem in addition to the things that we're all working on in advocacy around changing law and regulation in government? Yeah, I think that, that's a great question. We've always, at Advocates, we've worked on things like seatbelt laws and impairment, you know, convincing Americans they needed to buckle up and convincing folks that, you know, you couldn't get behind the wheel if you had too much to drink. And it's really, as I mentioned in my presentation earlier today, there's really like, we like to call it three E's, which is education, enactment, and enforcement. Uh, and really the first thing is like, is like I mentioned earlier, getting the, the laws on the books to keep people from doing things like texting while driving, which we know is very dangerous. And then giving law enforcement the proper tools they need to start to enforce the laws. And then the third thing that you talked about, Chuck, which is educating folks out there uh, as to the importance of following the laws. And, and you put those through, they all work together. Um, but, you, you know, it's really important that you have that first one uh, is, is really enactment, is really a key to that. They all work together, but you really need a strong law. That's kind of the, you know, if, you, if it's building a house, uh, the, you know, the enactment is really kind of that foundation to the house. But certainly, as you mentioned, uh, public education campaigns explain to folks out there how dangerous it is. Because cell phone use, you know, everyone's got a smartphone now. The surveys we've seen is virtually 100% of all Americans now have a smartphone. And the use is just is, is constant. So explaining to folks how truly dangerous it is uh, to text while you're behind the wheel or do other things you shouldn't be doing, accessing social media, things like that, is an important part of really getting at this. This public health epidemic is what it's become. Agree. Sean, one last question. Um, we've looked at uh, automated vehicles. You talked about it today in the state of uh, the testing and where we are. Everybody skips ahead to the, well, when will we have them? When will they be, you know, massively embraced? I won't ask you that question because there's never a really good, satisfying answer to it. No one really knows. But where are we, say, where are we today through the next five years in terms of testing, um, you know, getting our agenda uh, considered as part of the environment where where these tests will continue to take place? I mean, they're going to be done on closed campuses like the one we're visiting at M-City, but they're also being done on roads in communities. So um, where well, do you see us going? I think we're starting to see uh, a little bit of the backlash. I think what happened in Tempe, Arizona, has really opened up everyone's eyes as to, as to what's going on here. Um, to draw back to the conversation we were just having about distraction, everyone assumes distraction is going to go away as a problem as soon as we get to autonomous vehicles. But there's a lot of steps to get there. And distraction is already a problem in our level two and level three vehicles. Um, we look at the Tesla crashes that have happened. And they say, oh, it's the driver not paying attention. Well, there's an engineering aspect to that, 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 number one, we have the education training people that these systems are not up to that level that we're thinking about, that level four, level five, that ideal of getting in the car and telling it where to go. We still have to deal with the problems of humans, even at the lower levels of automation. So I think in terms of, of where we are, we need to have that off-track testing. We need to have the testing start working among the different locations so we can get all the different testing groups 
coming up with the solutions for what are the, the standards that we need. And we need to really develop strong testing requirements for when they're out there on the road to make sure that we protect the public while these things are being rolled out. You know, the worst thing we could do is endanger the benefits we could possibly get by having testing on our public roads endangering the public that they didn't volunteer for. You know, uh, uh, um, the young woman that was, the, the woman that was struck in Tempe was not part of the testing regime. She didn't sign on to it. She didn't agree to it. She wasn't a part of it. The, 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 the talk about beta testing these things, uh, these systems, have to be considered as highly dangerous because when, when you're beta testing your phone or a new app or something else and your phone crashes, you don't die. <laughs> when, you're, when your beta system on your vehicle has a problem, you can die or somebody else can. And that person didn't actually sign up or buy your vehicle or sign off the waiver or they didn't push that checkbox on their dashboard when they got in the car today saying, I'm willing to put my life at risk for somebody else's AV system. That's not how this works. And that's never how we work. So I think we really need to put in place to start with getting strong protections to make sure that the public is protected as we develop this technology. We're all for technology and we understand that public testing is necessary, but we should never have the situations that we're seeing out there right now. Well, on that note, I will thank you, uh, Sean Kildare, Peter Kurdock of the Advocates for Highway and Auto Safety. It's been great, and we appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to tune in again on November 14th for the next episode of Insurance Uncovered. I'm Kathy Imus. Thanks for listening.